media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. So the elections have come and gone, but let, let's make some sense, not about which political parties won, we know all of that, but, uh, but there's some interesting slants in terms of the news agenda that emanated uh, from the elections and maybe because of the elections. So Wellington Rather with me, Head of Programs at uh, Media Monitoring Africa, and check out, by the way, besides hashtag media show, check out hashtag elections at 22, 22 as in 22 years, elections at 22, for lots more analysis on that. Wellington, good chatting to you once again, hi. Good morning, Ashraf, and good morning to your listeners. Thank you. Right, so uh, I'm fascinated by the South African media, uh, how South African media allowed politicians to set the agenda. Goodness, you're being rather provocative on a Sunday morning. What's the story? <laughs> Look, Ashraf, this is, this, is, this is not new. I mean, this is, has happened in previous elections. It's unfortunate that we are talking about it again this time around, and hopefully 2019 will be different because there will be a disruption in, in, in the media sector. But Getting back to the, the 2016 elections, what was unfortunate was that media just followed the leaders, you know. Um, if you look at the issues that they focus on, just essentially party campaigns and intra-party politics. Um, and if you remember well, there was that huge protest in Swane, uh, which provided an opportunity for media to talk to people around what was happening within the ANC. But even then, they still focused on political parties and uh, what was happening within the ANC, which is rather unfortunate. So, okay, in terms of, therefore, your, your, your broad analysis of, uh, of what media coverage of the election, what can you tell us? Look, a number of things. So the first thing is that elections are, of course, about politicians, but most importantly, they're about the electorate, you know, because the electorate gives the, uh, politicians the power to govern. So I think media should be giving or should, empower, should be empowering the electorate so that they uh, cast an informed vote on election day. But the sad reality is that our media still, still, still uh, follow, follow politicians. And I think the reason for that is because there's a lot of challenges within the media space where they, uh, they don't have resources, they're expected to do more with very little, and then technology is disrupting the way they're uh, expected to, to, to produce and disseminate news. So if you, if you put that together, you will realize that they are, they are still struggling. However, there are opportunities. As I said, within, with, with technology, media can do more, and with collaborations, they can actually give the electorate an informed vote. The second thing is that what we, what we know, and uh, we have observed this over the years, is that media often focus on urban areas. And despite this being, this being municipal elections, they followed the same route, which is to cover the same areas, which is Cape Town or Western Cape, Kozulu Natal, and Gauteng. But the only difference in this election was that Limpopo did receive a lot of coverage because, obviously, of Buwani together with uh, uh, what was happening mm-hmm. there. But other, otherwise, otherwise, you will see an urban bias. And then the other interesting thing is that you have you tend to see. Uh, voices from ordinary citizens or civil society uh, lacking within elections uh, uh, coverage. Which is to say, media go to politicians and then they don't talk to the electorate. But I think the most important one is is around gender, where we have noticed that media tend to just focus on men and present elections through the eyes of men. Because as you know, South Africa has got a population of 52 million people who are women, and yet there are only 19 percent 
that were covered within these elections. And in fact, in the previous elections, in these elections, there were 55% of um, registered voters who are women. And yet, men tend to speak more, and they're always speaking. And this is a regression from what we observed in 2014, which was uh, 29%. Uh, and I think in 2011, we were sitting at 25%. Now we've gone back to 19%, and there is something fundamentally wrong there. Well, uh, when you say fundamentally wrong, what, what, you've, what you've uncovered this time around, is that consistent with previous elections in our country? Some of the results are consistent, and some of them are very uh, are sad, because like, like I said, we were, we were hoping that when it comes to gender representation, media would try to mainstream women's voices and also their issues, um, as well as how they affect boys and girls and men in different ways. But uh, sadly, on that on that aspect, we, we're not seeing any progress. In fact, we're going back. Naturally, I, I don't know why, but it speaks, again, I suppose, to some... You can only speculate about those things. Perhaps it's because it's a reflection of what's happening in society that women don't have... Uh, or don't have a say in patriarchy and what we've been seeing happening across society um, around how women's voices are stifled. But at the same time, you feel that there is an opportunity for media to actually go outside and beyond their comfort zone, because this is possible. With technology, you now have a lot of people who have different opinions, and media can mm-hmm. step into that um, and, and mainstream their voices, but certainly it's not. But another interesting aspect is about race, because you can't talk about the African elections and not mention race. And what we observed is that we have uh, an overrepresentation, obviously, of white voices uh, within the country, uh, and black people are not, uh, well, they're just represented, and that reflects the demographics of the country. But you obviously have colors and Indians who are also underrepresented, and I think that should, be, that should change. Mm. Well, did, did any... So, okay, let, let's get this right. You're saying... Broadly, media followed the politicians and they allowed themselves to follow the politicians instead of actually following the issues on the streets at grassroots. Is, is that what you're saying, right? Yes, because let me tell you something. I, I think I situated my presentation around the fact that I just wanted to bubble, to, to burst this middle class bubble, that because, uh, because people who are in the middle and upper uh, LSM tend to believe that because, because they've got access to so many media, they know what's happening in the country. In fact, we don't know. At the, at the event that we were in Cape Town uh, on Friday uh, with the hashtag election 22, we heard from different presenters who spoke about issues that were really happening uh, on the ground. And you juxtapose that to what the media told you or the story that you got from the media. It's a completely different story, which is to say we live in this bubble in the upper LSM and lower and middle LSM, thinking that we know what's happening in the country, but in fact we don't. And I think this is an indictment on our media, and perhaps the politicians, because you start questioning yourself whether whether it's media that are just allowed politicians to set the agenda or the politicians were not saying much because, I mean, think about it. We saw what happened during the, 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 the results, where the DA took three metros and mm-hmm. um, most of the people didn't expect that. And how did, the media, how did the media miss that? It's because media was not on the ground. Let, let me flip this around. The fact that the media followed the politicians, how much of that is a reflection of the, the, the communications department within uh, certain political parties that ensured that, that their leaders are top of the mind? 
Look, that's that's a very good point, Ashraf. And I think in as much as we talk about the media, we should also talk about politicians and their communications department because nowadays they can do that through Twitter, they can do that through Facebook, they can run with their own campaigns. We have one tool that uh, we have been using to track what's been happening on social media, uh, particularly looking at political parties' Twitter handles as well as looking at uh, what journalists and media houses have been uh, tweeting. And if you look at that, there is a complete difference Hashtags that politicians were using, completely different to what media houses were running with and what journalists were running with, which gives you a sense of whether either the media is missing something or the politicians are missing something. And there is no correlation between what media are talking about and what politicians are talking about. And I think at some point we need to start thinking about how we marry the two. If not marry the two, we need to interrogate what politicians are actually saying and not just focus on the sensational. Hmm. Uh, Were there anything else, you know, in, in your presentation that you that you've done that uh, that you want to bring up? I think one of the most important things that I want to bring up is who should actually set the political agenda or who should set the news agenda during elections. Is it politicians? Yes, elections are about politicians. Is it the electorate? Yes, they are about it, the electorate. But who should set the, the elections agenda and why should they? Is it men? Should it be blacks? Should it be white? Should it be colored? Who should actually set this agenda? And with what end and with what effect? Who should, who should ensure that the electorate are informed? Is it, is it on the part of the electorate? Because we now have access to different forms and types of information. Therefore, we should look for the information that enables us to get to where we want or to get, to, get to, to decide on who to vote for. So those are the critical questions that I think we need to be interrogating. Both as I would think if we've got about a minute or so to go that besides the answer of who should, uh, what is the method that they should be using? Just in a few minutes' time, I'll be chatting uh, to the, the editor of The Star on the other side of the news at 9, Kevin Ritchie, about how social media has rewritten the rules of journalism. So with that in mind, maybe, maybe that point's valid, right? Uh, you know, is, it, is the message best sent out via soccer clubs, via celebrities singing, via soccer sta- or sports <laughs> stadiums full of people, via social media, via press conferences, what's the right approach? I think, for me, it's a simple one. We need, we need different messages through different platforms. So I think the point is getting to know which, which sort of method works for what, uh, for what an audience. Because think about it, Ashraf, some people do not have access to the Internet. Which, and, and after all, in order for you to be on social media, you need to have access to the Internet. And most of the people in rural areas don't have access to that. So you often have the SABC radio as being one platform, but you also have, you also have social media for those who have access. You also have uh, uh, the Internet and television for people who have, who, have, uh, who have also access to the Internet who can stream. So there are different types, different types of, uh, of, uh, of, of uh, disseminating information that uh, allow people to get all this information. And I think it's about understanding society and where we are. And one of our tools allows that to do that, which is WaziMap, where you can log on to uh, the system and it shows you uh, what resources people are getting, where and whether they do have access or not. And then you can try to come up with different ways of, get, of reaching out to them. Perhaps, uh, as you're saying, some of the, some of the methods will be getting uh, into stage and talking to people or going on the ground and moving to to do. But, yeah. the bottom line, but the bottom line, I think, Ashraf, is to reflect society in its diversity so that by the time people go to, to vote, people understand that, look, they live in a South Africa that's very diverse with different views and they can make it the best decision based on that.
Okay. Let's leave it at that. By the way, uh, I'm going to give you some work to do, some extra tweeting if you like, just to mention further comments and emphasize what you've already told me so I can share that with listeners. Just use hashtag media show, right? Um, and, and just lastly, if people want to know more, where can they get the, the information? You can log, you can get onto Media Monitoring Africa's website, which is just mediamonitoringafrica.org or mma.org.za, and then there you will see our okay. elections dashboard where um, you have different uh, presentations right. on how many. Okay, that's elections. great. Maybe just tweet the link as well to me, okay, so I can share that uh, to the listeners. Wellington Radu from Media Monitoring Africa about how who set the news agenda and who got away with it. My goodness. Right, Kevin Ritchie coming up. He's the thought leader how social media has rewritten the rules of journalism. Or in fact, has it? We'll find out. Let's get the news now. It's 9 o'clock.